Hello, this is Stan Luttrell along with Matt Bodelstrasse, and our guest is Charlie Hale. Hale. <laughs> Hale, Hale, the gang's all here. That's, I guess that's the only way I could have remembered it. Mm -hmm. Charlie Hale, and uh, he's going to be talking about how he found his hope at Rogue Retreat. Matt, would you do the introductions? Well, um, you know, we asked Charlie if he could um, be here to speak a little bit because of his involvement with Rogue Retreat, um, but really... Um, it's his role with Hope Village in particular that I'm hoping that we can shine a spotlight on and discuss what Hope Village is and also what your role is there and what impact you're seeing and what drives you to do it. So that's ultimately what I'm hoping to get to. Okay, well let's start out then. How, right. how did you end up uh, at uh, Rogue Retreat to begin with? Well, now that's a long story. <laughs> well, you can give us the Reader's Digest version. Reader's Digest version. You know, I, I'll give you a short, a short history of myself. I, I, um, I was an alcoholic and an addict for many years, and uh, uh, I got sober uh, back in the '80s, and. Um, it, it, you know, through the AA program and being in the 12-step programs and being a sponsor, uh, you know, pretty much all my life I've, I've reached out to help other people. And uh, then back, then in the, in the 90s, I went back to school and became a drug and alcohol counselor, and I worked in the drug and alcohol field for roughly about 10 years. And... Uh, then I uh, hit a spot in my life where I went into a depression, and it was pretty severe depression. It took me uh, maybe five or six years to come out of that. And what rang me out of that was one day I was uh, driving down West Main. We were going uh, going up to the Apple Gate, and I dro drove by Set Free. Now I had heard of Set Free many times, and uh, and, and and I heard it distinctly inside of me I heard go there and so I did but it was after I resisted for a month or two uh, but I did I wound up going there and uh, volunteering in the food pantry and one more time through getting out of myself and, and my own uh, depression uh, I was able to start doing stuff for other people and that is what actually turned my life around one more time. Now I didn't get back involved in alcohol and drugs through depression, not, not me, I, I was never one to drink when times were bad, uh, but when times were good, that's when I um, would tend to relapse and all through the uh, 80s and, and 90s, the early 90s. Um, I had hit a few relapses back there, but I learned from each one of them. And uh, they all served to make me who I am today. And um, So I got into Set Free and I started a group over there. It was a homeless support group and, uh, and we would sit around a couple times a week and whoever came in, we would just sit around and talk about life in general. I did that for a couple of years. Uh, in the meantime, while I was over at Set Free, uh, Hope Village was being built. 
Uh, and so I got to watch the whole process from the planning stages right through uh, the building of Hope Village. And as I was doing the groups and working with homeless people at Hope at the Set Free, uh, the pastor was watching and he says, you know, you would be good for Hope Village to be a men's case manager over there. And, uh, and then when, so when the time came, much to my resistance, uh, I, w I wound up at Hope Village. And the only reason I resisted was because I was comfortable at Set Free and, uh, and I didn't want to leave that. Um, but once I got into Hope Village, you know, I found out that that was my calling. You know, I, I work with people, I have worked with people all my life from the time I was 11 years old, raising my younger siblings, uh, right on through uh, my teenage years and, and 20s and, and all the way up. I've always worked with people in some some fashion and uh, so being at Hope Village was right where I was supposed to be and I believe God put me there for a reason. Uh, what I have seen over there in working with these people is that they respond to me. Now I don't know why but I'll tell you what I ask God every morning to give me the wisdom to do this job because on my own I don't think I can do it. And when I try to do it without his help, without asking him, it don't go so well. But when I do, things happen. And, and uh, um, the, the, my, the, the men that I work with, they respond to me. And what I found out is that through all, all my life and every different instance that I've been in, I've worked in transitional houses, I've worked in uh, um, uh, the treatment centers. Um, all that training has brought me to a point where I'm able to, to really uh, help these men that come there and, and they respond to it and they like, uh, they like me, they, uh, they like uh, the way that uh, the way I talk to them and treat them. And um, so I've had some really good luck. I, I don't even call it luck. That's not the word. I, I've had some good results uh, from working with the men at, at Hope Village. Uh, and not only that, but it also helps me because, it, because that's who I am. That's the kind of that's the kind. That's what I've done all my life, and so I'm just doing the same thing. You know, yeah, the Word tells us that we're each given a gift. Uh, God gives us all a gift, and, and my gift is human services. My gift is working with people, and it, it's not a job. It's just what I do. I mean, I did it for free in many years in the AA program. I sponsored many, many people. I uh, raised my younger siblings. All that was, uh, I, um, I didn't do that for a job. I did that because that's what I like to do. And that's why, that's why I do well at Hope Village because it's not a job to me. It's what I do. It's my gift. 
And uh, and so I'm really tickled pink to be over there, and I'm really tickled pink when I see the results. You know, I'm just working with a guy this morning, and he's a man that is a chronic, 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 40-year alcoholic. And, uh, and he came to me, and he says that because I believed in him, that he is able to get sober. And right now, he has six days clean and sober. That's amazing. It is amazing. And this guy looks really good, and he has hopes for his future. And those are the kind of rewards that I live for. And to see people uh, go through Hope Village and regain hope and regain a belief in themselves and their ability and, and to realize that they are, um, they count just as much as everybody else. Just because they hit a bad spot in their life doesn't make them less than. Just because they're coming off the streets or out of a car doesn't make them any less than. But Hope Village then gives them a chance to rebuild and regain and, and recapture their life and become uh, productive and self-sufficient. Do you think the feeling of the, that they that they feel they don't count is one reason why they relapse? Uh, you know, that it would be an individual question because mm -hmm. each one of them are different. Right. Not all of them are actually alcoholic or addict. Mm -hmm. uh, they're very. There's quite a few of them, in fact, that aren't. Mm -hmm. that don't have any trouble with alcohol and drugs. And what got them into homelessness uh, in the first place varies from individual to individual. Sure. Most of the times I see a common thread, and that is the loss of income. Oh, yeah. And once you lose income, then the car payment goes out the window, and then the car's gone, and, uh, and then the rent doesn't get paid, and so that's gone, and they find themselves homeless. And uh, and so it's not always drugs and alcohol that got them there. Although, how, however, for a lot of people it is. And so you have to address that issue too, as well as the homelessness. So, Charlie, um, just to um, kind of backtrack for a second, for um, somebody that might be listening to this that doesn't know much about Hope Village or Rover Retreat, what, ex what exactly is Hope Village? Hope Village is a transitional housing that offers the opportunity for people to come there that are down and out on their last leg. They come there, they live there, and they rebuild their lives. They, they get their lives back. It's, it's, like I said, transitional in nature. And so when they come in, we, we make plans and goals for how they're going to process through and uh, become self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, so in kind of looking at your background, and obviously you, I think your calling definitely is to work with people because you do an amazing job over there. Um, how do you find that your background with your own personal struggles, um, do that, does that make it easier for you to relate to people when they are coming from homelessness and into Hope Village? You know, it absolutely does, uh, because many times, and it also forms a bond between many of the men and myself, because the things that they are currently going through, 
uh, often when they're telling me their stories, I can relate. I've been there. I've done that. And so it, it creates a bond and a trust. Um, and realizing that the person that you're talking to knows what you're feeling or how you felt. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so that I believe that that is one of the main reasons that they respond so well to me. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Sam, do you have any questions right now? Well, um, wow. You, you've really encapsulated everything <laughs> in such a little neat, tidy little package that it's hard to think about a question. Yeah. You know, I, I, one just kind of came to me. Okay. Um, so I, um, I get the privilege of doing a lot of tours over at Hope Village, and it's actually my favorite tours are the ones where you happen to be there where I can pull you in to explain how the case management works. When people are coming into Hope Village when they first get there, what are, what are the, some of the typical struggles that people have to break away from to be able to adapt to being in that environment? Uh, one of the major ones is drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, not everybody, like I said, uh, has that issue. But you know, addiction covers a lot more than just drugs and alcohol. It covers gambling and sex addiction and food and you, you name it and anything can become an addiction. Um, I think the biggest thing that people need to overcome is a lack of belief in themselves. You know, when you're out on the street, society tends to look down on you and, mm -hmm. and tends to give you hard times. And each time that happens to a person, they lose a little bit of their self-respect and self-esteem. And they begin to feel unworthy, then they start acting unworthy. So when they get into Hope Village, a lot of times they're pretty beaten up. And they have to reestablish a belief in themselves and a belief that they count and a belief that they can return to a, uh, a good way of life. Do you think that there are, I think I know, I'm sure I know the answer to this, but I want your take on it. Do you think that there are a lot of people that have stereotypes about homeless people and homelessness? There absolutely is, although I see that diminishing as the homeless crisis um, is escalating. Mm -hmm. People are realizing that not all homeless people are drugs and alcoholics, that, uh, that homelessness can actually happen to anyone. Mm -hmm. For instance, we just saw the, the fire that burnt a whole town down in California. Oh, yes. All them people became homeless. They owned the house one day, the next day they're homeless. Mm -hmm. And and we have that going on right here in Medford. You know, I've met some homeless people that are really, they, they actually belong working in an office or uh, they have a, a high degree of intelligence. And, uh, and yet they, we have a man right now, he's a teacher. You know, he has a teacher, we just, uh, one guy that was living there last summer, is right now uh, going for his masters in the same thing, teaching. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, homelessness can affect anybody at any time, and we just we just can't hold that stereotypical view that all homeless people live by the river and 
are uh, the bottom class and and drugs and alcoholics because they're not. That is just not true. In fact, with a lot of the communities where um, real estate prices have gone through the roof, a lot of times rents have been in situations where even people that have jobs that were thought to be, you know, I know of some people that worked in radio in the Bay Area that are living out of their car because they're not making enough money to pay for what they'd have to pay for rent. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge problem. And that, too, drives up homelessness, and that is the cost of rent. Do you know that the average person that is on disability and getting seven or $800 a month, they go to look for a, an apartment, and the apartments are more expensive than what they're living on. Yes. I oh hello there music. <laughs> yeah, no, I can I can relate because my rent just went up and we're having no fun. Yeah. Uh, but so how how are you being received at Hope Village? I mean, I know that you're what's what what would be your success rate, do you think? The success rate of Hope Village is uh, right around 60%. And that means that six out of 10 people are moving back into self-sufficiency or moving back into a better way of living. And, and they are climbing the ladder back to uh, their former lifestyle. For instance, we have a, a couple there. She was a school teacher and he worked in corrections. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and they lost. Uh, he lost his job, and she did. Then they uh, got involved in drugs, and oh boy. and uh, then then they came to Hope Village, and uh, uh, she he went back to work, and right now they are currently looking for an apartment. They have regained control of their life, and uh, and they're doing really super well. And that has to be a rewarding feeling for you to see that happen. That's the whole reason that Hope Village and, and my job exists and it is. It is the it is the thing that keeps me going. So Charlie, when <clears throat> I know that when people are homeless they um, spend a lot of time in crisis just looking how to, at how to meet their basic needs from where they're going to sleep to how they're going to eat to those pieces and when they come when people come into Hope Village from directly from the streets they're still many times in that survival mentality can you um, kind of talk about the process of when somebody comes into Hope Village to when you start seeing that light bulb go on and they begin to switch over to community-minded thinking and, and you hit the nail on the head by saying when they're in survival mode, and in survival mode meaning that they're out trying to get their basic needs met on a daily on a daily basis. Where am I going to eat? Where am I going to get a shower? How am I going to get my clothes clean? Uh, and, and so that's what their focus and all their thinking is about on the street. Now, when they come into Hope Village, all these basic necessities are met uh, but the thinking hasn't changed you know they uh, what i see quite often is that they're still thinking street 
mentality of what's yours, I need that, you know, it's mine, you know, everything's about me, how am I going to, how am I going to do this and that and the other thing. But that begins to change as their thinking changes. You know, we do groups over there and we talk about uh, what it was like on the street and the thinking that went with it and what it's like to live in a community and trust. Not on the street, you trust nobody, absolutely nobody. Uh, but when you get into Hope Village and you're living in a community, then you got to reestablish that it's okay to start trusting people. It's okay to live together in harmony, that your food's still going to be there if you walk away, that your clothes are still going to be there, that you can get your clothes washed at any time. And it also opens the door, and this is the beautiful part. Once the, that thinking starts to change, then you add to it. Okay, so where do you want to go from here? Uh, then we start thinking about, well, I can have a job. I can have an income again, and I, and I can have a savings account. And the thinking gradually changes. Some people it changes real fast. Other people it takes a little longer for the thinking to change. But you know what the most rewarding part of this job is? Is seeing somebody's thinking change. And when that thinking changes and they go out and get a job and they start bringing home a paycheck, their self-esteem goes through the roof. And the belief in themselves is regained. And once again, they rejoin society. So uh, I, I think we need to change your title from case manager to hope dealer. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, because I, that's what, as you're explaining that to me, is I can definitely see how somebody's self-esteem would shoot up once, sure. they, um, once they're able to get employed and everything. And it sounds like kind of the essence of what we're, what the work that Hope Village is doing is it's providing people a place where they can find their hope and in many cases challenge their own beliefs or their own limitations. So you've been in Hope Village since its inception, right? Yes. I mean, you know, from fruition, you know, to, well, that's really great. So how many years has that been now? Well, I've been working as a case manager for two years. Mm -hmm. uh, a year before that, I was, uh, well, we were doing groups even before the village opened and uh, doing interviews and, and whatnot. We did that for about a year. But prior to that, it was all uh, road retreat and, and getting funding and so on and so oh, forth. Yes. But that has to be so rewarding. I'm proud of what you're doing, and, and I know that a lot of the people that work that you work with are certainly proud of what you're doing. So I'd like to comment uh, uh, real quick on what um, Matt Matt was saying. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> he was talking a, a little bit about um, about hope, right. and, and you know, one thing that I think that really. Um, drives the success that I've had at Hope Village and with many of the guys is that I always pray for them. And they like it. And uh, um, one of the things that Matt was saying is, is Hope Village being about hope. And, and one of the prayers that I always pray for them is uh, in Jeremiah where the Lord talks about that he knows the plans he has for us 
plans to prosper us and not to do us harm, plans to give us a hope, and plans to give us a future. And that's the very first prayer that they hear from me. And I pray that prayer frequently through when I meet with them. And, and, and you know, that I think that drives their change. Lord, you've put, you've put such and such a person here at Hope Village. You've already given them the hope. And now we need the prosperity and we need a, a future. And Lord, we're trusting you. And trust is huge with people coming off the streets who have lost their ability to trust. Absolutely. It's life-changing. Well, so, that's amazing. I mean, I just love hearing stories like this. Yeah, absolutely. So, Charlie, I know that we're um, coming up to the end of our podcast, but if there was one message that you could have for somebody that might be listening to this that might be struggling, um, what would your message of hope be for them? Trust God. That's the answer, because God will put you where you need to be to regain that hope, to regain the trust. That is the bottom line, and that has absolutely been the bottom line in my life. Uh, whenever, whenever I've been down, and there's been many times, um, Whenever I'm in control, that's when I get down. That's when I start screwing up. And then I come running back to the Lord. Lord, 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 look what I've done now. And he always picks me up. And he always dusts me off. And he always puts me back on my feet. And my message to anybody that's listening to this that has lost any of their hope, trust God because he will pick you up too and dust you off and put you back on your feet. Are there any questions that you want to add, Matt? No, I think I'm good. It's, okay. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you very much, Charlie Hale. There, I remembered your last name. <laughs> and for being our uh, latest guest. I usually say latest victim, but I decided to be a little bit different. But before we go, I just want to remind people out there that you can listen to this podcast through a myriad of uh, podcast providers like Overcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and uh, Stitcher. And I'm not sure whether we have uh, TuneIn Radio uh, yet. At least coming soon, TuneIn Radio will be another listening coming platform. Coming soon, it will be another listening platform. And feel free to share this podcast to uh, all of your friends and and if anybody wants to make a donation to this podcast go to the anchor.fm site and make a donation because I would like to stay here <laughs> anyway have a great day everybody and uh, we'll see you next week with another great podcast about finding hope